Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nasty Woman Club, The Catch-Up. Your weekly catch-up on news, issues, and events in the world of intersectional feminism. I am the Nasty Woman Club founder, host, journalist, Demi Lynch, and I'll be in your ears for the duration of this episode. This week on the show, I'll be talking about embarrassing fat moments. When will it ever not be embarrassing, having a plain seatbelt not fit around your belly? Or when will it ever not be embarrassing, having to do the walk of shame from a roller coaster because you do not fit in their seats? I'll also be talking about the passing of Chadwick Boseman and the legacy he has left us through his incredible film career, in particular playing Black Panther. But first on the show. From a young age, women are taught to hate their bodies. We are taught to be shameful of our body hair, flabby stomachs, cellulite, acne, body rolls... We are taught that the female body must meet society's ever-changing body ideals and expectations. And we are taught that female bodies are only there for the male gaze. So no wonder people spend decades of their lives working on loving their bodies. And there are many ways people do this. For some, it's masturbation. For some, it's participating in a boudoir photo shoot. Others, it's exercise they enjoy and love, such as dancing. For many, it's engaging in body-positive content on social media, reading and listening to inspiring podcasts and books about loving your body. For me personally, listening to artists sing about self-love like the one and only Lizzo, that is how I work on loving my body. And that is how I've done so this past year or so. So look, everyone is different. But something I hadn't heard of before was nude yoga. Apparently, many people participate in nude yoga as a way to work on loving and appreciating their bodies again. Ricky from Naked Awakening hosts monthly nude yoga workshops across Queensland. I brought her onto the pod to explain to me how nude yoga is not downward dog poses in the nude and how it's more of a transformative workshop that teaches people how to treat their bodies with love and kindness. It's not about wanting to desexualize the female body. We are all sexual beings, and that's one of the most beautiful parts of being a human. We're very lucky to be able to explore our sexuality and our desires and pleasures in this life. And what I'm trying to teach is about realizing that the body isn't just sexual and that nudity is not only related to sexuality. Like, I believe this for men and women. Like, although right now I only work with women, I feel so passionately that we need to have and a man out there doing this work for men and, you know, getting in touch with our sensuality as a human is important. You don't need to be naked or even in a private space to do that. Our bodies should be honored. They should be respected and cherished no matter how we look or the limitations we might put upon ourselves. We should treat 
everyone's body's the same as we want our bodies to be treated. And um, something I love to say in my workshops, which really just gets the cogs turning in the women's mind is treat your body the way that you treat your best friend's body or your sister's body or your daughter's body or your lover's body. And that is just with so, so, so much love and kindness and forgiveness and understanding. You know, we don't even think to these levels of what we put our bodies through emotionally and physically and spiritually. We don't even really unleash the potential that we have to connect with ourselves. Yeah, so it's, I think it's really important that we realise that it's just skin, you know, and nudity's normal. We're all born naked. I hope I die naked. <laughs> we all have the same bits. They might be different shapes, colours and sizes, but that's what makes us unique and beautiful. So why nudity, you may ask? Initially, I thought it was to perhaps desexualize the female body by normalizing naked bodies. But there's more to it than that. I love going into interviews thinking I know something, and then once I ask the questions, I learn something I wasn't really expecting. A new way of thinking and looking at things. And that's definitely what's happened here when I spoke to Ricky about why nudity in nude yoga. So these three-hour workshops, when I first saw them, it just said nude yoga. And I was just like, okay, that's maybe a very long yoga lesson. <laughs> but yeah, when we um, spoke earlier before this interview, you said that it's actually more than just nude yoga. What does the actual three hours of the workshop entail? Using the words nude yoga to advertise it is, it's like those trigger words that, you mm. know, that get people in. So if, if we were to call it naked awakening, it wouldn't get as many you know, views as nude yoga, but that's definitely a very, yoga is a very small part of it. The nudity is a huge part of it. Each workshop is themed. So every facilitator will theme their workshop based on their past experiences and the things that they feel they have enough knowledge and experience to guide women through. So mine at this point is themed around self-love because I have lived that. I know a lot about it. I can speak from my experiences. So people mm -hmm. arrive. They're fully clothed. You know, we ask them to arrive in comfortable clothing and then they'll sign a waiver just to make sure that they've got no injuries. There's no mental health things that I should be aware of. Um, and then they're okay to consent for the photo at the end and everything like that. And then you get changed. You put on your robe or your kimono and you make sure you've got nothing on underneath. So then you come into the space and you lay down your yoga mat and you're, you're still fully clothed. Oh, sorry. You got your robe, lay down your yoga mat and we are in a circle all facing in. So a lot of people, when they hear new yoga, think, oh, great, I'm going to be doing a downward dog behind someone <laughs> and you know, looking at all their business. So that, no, we're, in a, we're all facing in, in a circle. So it was just frontal, frontal views. And then we do a grounding meditation. And then I go through some guidelines and then I share the theme, the self-love theme and share my story. And then we have a sharing circle, which is the most powerful and important part of the whole night. Through any of this, women can decide to start undressing. There is no set time for you to take off your clothes. As soon as you feel comfortable is when you kind of shed that layer, you know, and open up to that vulnerability. So it's usually a, a snowball effect. As soon as one woman kind of shows the confidence, everyone else feeds on that confidence. And so it's, it's really quite nice. But the sharing circle, it's sometimes it's the first time in their life this woman has opened up and talked about their journey or you know their past and their experiences and so 
that is a really, really powerful part for most women. And then we go into our yoga flow. Then there's vulnerability exercises, which we pair up to do a closing circle. There's conscious and sensual eating aftercare lesson, and then a group photo. So it's, there's a lot to pack into three hours. It must be just so interesting and fascinating seeing people's reaction before and after it. What has been people's reactions to it and their relationships to their bodies? Like, do you see that change through that three hour workshop? Yeah, a hundred percent. So every woman arrives with a different kind of nervous expectation. Um, for some people, it's the nudity, the public speaking or the sharing of their darkest truths. And then for others, it's the vulnerability being seen in their rawness or maybe even just being witnessed for the first time. Like all eyes are on you and you're sharing. I can feel the energy of the room in the first five minutes and it's absolutely electric with everyone's different vibrations and emotions. And that's such a magical, magical feeling. But as the three hours pass, the space gets lighter and lighter and more relaxed. And by the end, the women don't even realize that they're naked and they're just laughing and hugging and touching. And it's like, oh, we got to put clothes on again now. (laughs) (laughs) That was myself chatting with Ricky from Naked Awakening. For more information on Ricky, head to Nude Yoga with Ricky on Instagram and Facebook. If you are interested in trying Nude Yoga Naked Awakening workshops, There are many situated all across Australia. Head to nakedawakening.com for more details. We lost a hero this week, an icon, Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick played iconic African-American figures in history. He played Jackie Robinson, the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball in the film 42. He played one of the most influential musicians in history, James Brown, in the film Get On Up. And he played Thurgood Marshall, the first African-American Supreme Court Justice, in the film Marshall. But what he is most well known for is playing T'Challa, the Black Panther, King of Wakanda. Wakanda Well, Wakanda is not, is not, you know, it's not a real place because it's a fictitious place in Africa. But I think it's become, um, you know, this this idea of, of, of excellence and hope and has become sort of a total to a certain degree that, uh, that people are proud of, people aspire to. Wakanda represents a thing that can make people in real life want to live up to a certain thing. Ever since Iron Man came out in 2008, I have been following MCU and have become a diehard fan of the Marvel movies. But for a while now, I have taken issue with how white the franchise is. I mean, there were characters that were people of colour, for example, Falcon, War Machine, and, you know, of course, Nick Fury. But they were never the main characters. The story didn't revolve around them. No movie was just dedicated to them. But then in 2018, Black Panther came out. It brought us the Dora Milaje, the all-female special forces and protectors of King T'Challa. It brought us discussions on colonization, black power, Afrofuturism, and white supremacy. It brought us African culture that isn't depicted through a bloody white lens. All in all, Black Panther is a love letter to black culture. So to hear this week that the leading actor in this tremendously 
iconic, important film had passed away, many, many people across the world were left truly heartbroken. I think I'll always remember how I found out that Chadwick Boseman had passed away. So my partner and I, we were driving up to Noosa last weekend and I was scrolling through my phone and I saw that Chadwick had passed away and my hands were starting to shake. I couldn't really speak and my partner was sitting next to me. He was driving and he was very confused because I all of a sudden had stopped talking and the look on my face was just pure shock as I can imagine many other people were when they read this news. And I could feel tears coming to my eyes, even though I'd never met this man in my life, never, ever, ever. But I think that's something that does happen a lot to people where very important figures in their lives, even if they've never met them before, when they pass, it does truly, truly impact you. When I read that he passed away and I had to tell my partner this, I just, oh, I just kept thinking... I really don't want him to know that this has happened, you know. Right now, he still thinks he's alive. I want to keep that time as long as possible because I know how much of a fan he is of Chadwick Boseman and of Black Panther. So I said to him, an actor that we adore and love so much has passed away. And I told him it was Chadwick Boseman and we just were just in shock for a good, good hour of the drive. Definitely a lot of crying, that's for sure, as I can imagine so many other people were like that last weekend when they found out the news. So for those unaware, Chadwick Boseman was battling colon cancer for four years, and no one knew about it. It wasn't in the media. Obviously, his loved ones would have known about it, but it wasn't something he wanted known to the general public. And the thing is, that really, really shocks me and still shocks me, even now it's almost been a week, is the fact that he was battling cancer for four years. He would have been doing chemotherapy. And from what I know about chemotherapy, from what I've spoken to several people that has battled cancer, is that you're so fatigued, you vomit a lot, you lose a lot of weight, just it takes so much out of you. And now, look, obviously everyone's experiences is all different, but from what I've heard, chemotherapy's a bitch. It's not, it's not something easy. It's definitely not something easy for someone to go through. And just to think that he was undergoing chemotherapy for all these years while still working, while still being in these films, portraying these characters. And not only that, what he was doing to his body... So on Black Panther, that was released in 2018. And at that point, he had colon cancer for already two years. So he would have been working on Black Panther while he had cancer. When Chadwick is in Black Panther, he has built his body so strong for that role. I remember listening to an interview and he said that he would work out two times a day, whether that be through gym workouts, stunt training... Um, fight training, anything like that. He would do that twice a day while he was fighting cancer. Not only that, after that role, he had another film role where he then had to lose the weight. He didn't need, he, his character wasn't a buff, big, strong character, so he had to lose the weight. But then when 
Avengers um, Endgame and Infinity War came out, he then had to gain back the weight. I'm still trying to comprehend how someone can do that. Like, that just takes so much dedication. And I think he just truly must have known how important it was for people to see him on their screens, how important it was for them to see Black Panther. God, he must have been just destroyed just doing that to his body plus going through chemotherapy and having the cancer do that to him. I just really, really, really heartbreaking hearing all that and hearing how hard that must have been for him and also his loved ones as well. In my culture, death is not the end. It's more of a stepping off point. You reach out with both hands and bust and segment. They lead you into the green belt where you can run forever. It's just so heartbreaking that this had to happen. But I think also as well, on a side note, as you know, I like my tangents. Something that this definitely needs to be brought up is the fact that Chadwick Boseman deleted photos of his social media many months ago because people were ridiculing his weight. He had lost a severe amount of weight. There were so many stupid, stupid remarks. I'm not going to say the memes that were made about it, but there were some memes made about it, and that took him off social media, which is so bloody devastating when you realize that the fact that the reason he had lost all this weight was because he had fucking cancer. So I hope, I hope, surely, that is a learning lesson for everyone that... You do not judge someone based on what their weight is, what they look like, because you have no fucking idea what is going on in their life. Really, really do not. Before you think about judging someone for putting on weight, losing weight, think about, hmm, I wonder what must have caused that. Hmm, probably none of my business. Hmm, probably also none of my business to critique them on just a fragment of what they're going through right now. So I really hope we can all learn from that and at the same time really, really, really remember Chadwick Boseman for the incredible work he did and the legacy he has left on this earth because of his incredible work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. On to something a bit more lighthearted to finish up today's episode of The Catch-Up. Because I need to have a laugh about something and I think we need to finish this on a more lighter note. Because it has been a very full-on week, very devastating week for many. So this is going to be something a bit more lighthearted, Something we can just have a laugh at ourselves. Because that is what I am doing. I'm laughing at myself. Because this weekend I had... A very bad fat moment. Two, actually. I had two very bad fat moments. So, you see, I went to Noosa with my partner on the weekend. And we got this Airbnb. It was very lovely. Um, such a nice pool. 
but on the first night, I kind of broke the bed. It was 5 a.m. in the morning, and I was sitting up on the bed just to pee, and then as I sat up on the bed, the bed, the mattress and the slats underneath just collapsed right under me. And I then start bawling my eyes out. Meanwhile, I'm like trying to hold my piss in as well. As well, I'm bawling my eyes out because I'm just like, fuck, I broke the fucking bed. I'm so sad and so fat. What the fuck? And my poor partner's waking up next to me thinking, what the fuck's going on? Why, why is she crying? What? It's 5 a.m. Why am I waking up to this? And then I explain what's happened. And then he lifts up the mattress. And yeah, the slats have collapsed. And I'm just a wreck. And then he notices that several of the slats are taped down with masking tape. So if I was to think on a more realistic side, I would have thought like, okay, the bed was already broken. All right, cool. Wasn't me. But because I'm a wreck already and I'm already crying, you know when you're crying and you just can't stop crying? You're crying because you're sad that you can't stop crying. It ends up like an endless cycle of that again and again and again. So that was me for a good hour and a half that early morning. So I was a wreck. I think also because I have gained a lot of weight due to my mental health just being fucked up. I just thought I was the biggest, fattest fuck ever. I thought, oh my god, I can't even lay on a bloody bed without worrying that's going to break under me. Because this isn't the first time a bed has broken from me being on it. Which is embarrassing, but that's what happens, I guess. So that happened, and now it's a wreck. But then the second night, the bed collapsed under me yet again at, what was it, like 3am in the morning. And all I was doing was rolling over in my sleep. And let me tell you, that's very, very weird waking up, being half asleep, and the bed's just like collapsed underneath you. And I had no energy trying to fix it or anything like that, so I just slept on the couch. And it was so cold, and I could barely sleep, so that was not very fun. The rest of the holiday was lovely, but that was, yeah, waking up at 3am to the bed collapsing underneath your fat ass, that's not very fun. But anyway... That is my embarrassing fat moment. Even though, yes, I know the bed was broken, but still, it br- it, it collapsed on my side both times. So, yeah, it doesn't make me feel too good. Yeah, but you know what? We all have embarrassing fat moments. So that's what I want to de- dedicate this section of the podcast to. We all have those embarrassing fat moments. And I'm going to tell you some of mine. And also some of the ones some of my listeners have sent in to my Instagram page when I spoke about it yesterday. So other embarrassing fat moments I've had. Oh God, I've got a list here. Alrighty. Who has ever... Okay, I'm going to tell you one from like back in high school. I had this several times. You know when you're sitting on the floor during assembly, normally I had it like where the, the sports... What's it called? not sports field, basketball court or whatever, the netball court, whatever the fuck it is. We would sit on, we would sit there for like a good hour and it's Australia. So it's hot as hell. And when we would get up, when I would get up, I always sweated so much that you could see my bum mark on the ground all the fucking time. So I would always feel so embarrassed because my bum mark looks like two basketballs had been dropped in with paint on the ground. Whereas everyone else was like these two little tiny circles on the ground. And mine was just these big massive circles just splattered on the ground. I'm just like, all right, great. So I remember during primary school and high school, I'd like smudge my butt 
around while sitting down so it didn't look so big. It just looked like this big, I don't know, splatter of sweat. So nice. Other embarrassing fat moments. I have definitely had to do the embarrassing, humiliating walk of shame because I couldn't fit in a roller coaster. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, no, no. I could fit in a roller coaster, but the seatbelt wouldn't fit or the... The thing you have above your chest, it wouldn't go down enough because my tits were in the way. So either my stomach was in the way or my tits were in the way. Not very great. So I, so several times I've had to do the walk of shame. I've also been <laughs> pointed at before I even got onto the ride or near the ride and told, you're not allowed on, you're too big. I'm just like, alrighty, alright, okay, I'm not even going to test the waters first. And you're just going to kick me off before I even get even nearby. Alrighty. That's always embarrassing, moments like that. What else? Oh, I think any person of any size actually has had that embarrassing moment when you're sitting in those stupid exam desk chairs. It's like the chair that has a desk attached to it and you have to try and fit the desk so it's like a flat, It's so it's flat, but it's somehow not going to be on your stomach or on your legs. So you're trying to think, all right, if I cross my legs, maybe that'll work. Okay, maybe not. So I just, oh, no. No, those are not built for those are not built for adults, those stupid desk chair things. Mind you, just exams, cinemas, just trying to walk past people and not have your butt in their face or your tits in their face. That's always that's always an embarrassing fat moment. You're just like, okay, who am I willing to sacrifice today? The butt or the tits? What's more out? What's more sweaty? Let's see which it is that's gonna be the weapon of choice for today. Yes. Those are my embarrassing fat moments. So I thought on Instagram yesterday I would talk about these embarrassing fat moments and ask all of you to share your embarrassing fat moments. And I'll be keeping these anonymous, don't worry. Alright, I'm going to find them on my phone because I am that organized. Let's see some embarrassing fat moments. Alright, here are some embarrassing fat moments. Went to a day spa with my friends and the robe provided didn't fit. I don't remember the last time a robe fit me. At the moment, robes are just jackets. They're just cardigans for me. No robe goes over these tits. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's, I, man, I wish I had a robe that could fit me. That'd be nice. Going to an old cinema and not fitting any of the seats. Oh my god, okay. Cinemas that don't allow you to lift up the armrests, they are evil. They are the definition of evil. Like, let people lift up their armrests. Otherwise, we're stuck. <laughs> oh my god. I get this all the time. Once a chair got stuck to me when I stood up because it stayed attached to my thighs. Yes, I've had that happen to me several times because I sweat so much. It just sticks to me or it makes this awkward ripping sound like you're ripping off tape off your butt and it really hurts but you don't want to make it too loud. But you don't want to be too long and just, it's a nightmare. Oh, lordy. What else do we have here of some embarrassing fat moments. Oh yeah, pretty much every fat person's nightmare. Trying to shop in any mainstream store. Yes, I think the most awkward question to ever ask in the world is, do you stock anything above a size 12? And they're just like, oh yeah, our size 12s are very stretchy. They'll fit you. And you're just like, "Uh, no, no. Or they they say, oh yes, oh yeah, we have plus size. We stock a size 12, 14. It's like, "Mm, that's not plus size. Mm, That's not going to fit me. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's not going to fit me. <sighs> and then last but not least, I have to include this one. It is definitely something that has happened to me when you rip your pants. Squatted down next to a patient to check their temperature. Ripped my pants open at the butt when doing so. 
<sighs> okay, actually, yes, I've had my rip my pants ripped, not at the butt, definitely in a thigh. That is, mm, that's not good. And then I got chafing down there. But worst thing that has ever happened, my worst fat moment in regards to ripping clothes would be, I was out clubbing in the valley. And I was wearing a thong. I think it was too tight or something. It was just, it was when I thought that wearing a piece of string over my butt was a good idea. It's not a good idea. It's just a wedgie 24-7 and I can't stand wedgies. So I was wearing this thong and I was wearing this jumpsuit. It was a very revealing jumpsuit downstairs, nether regions. And I had my period, but I had a tampon in. Anyway, so I had this string thong on, this tight play suit on, and I had my period. But then, because I was dancing so much, and because the thong was so tight on me, the thong actually broke. <laughs> and then, I'm like, trying to like, fidget with the thong, trying to like, you know, fix it up, so I'm not getting a, um, a wedgie, which is just, literally what it is, it's just wedgie underwear. And as I'm pulling it up, I can just feel it like, the string go higher and higher, like past my belly button, and I'm just like, that's not right. And then I keep pulling it, and then I realize, oh shit, and then the whole thing just broke. And then here I am in the middle of the dance floor, just holding my underwear. <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I literally had broken my underwear from, I don't know what it was, dancing, sweating, or because my ass had literally ate it, because it's that fat. So that was an embarrassing fat moment, having to quickly run to the bathrooms and tell my friends I can't really dance that much anymore because I'm not wearing na- I'm now not wearing any underwear and a tight play suit. Meanwhile, while on my period, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely yeah, definitely a low light moment of my life. Yes, back in the good old clubbing days of the valley. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, I think that is a good moment now to end this week's episode of the catch up. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a five-star review. The Nasty Woman Club is still a small business, so every review helps. The Nasty Woman Club also has a Patreon account, so if you want to show your extra love and support for the show and the Nasty Woman Club platform, click on the Patreon link in today's show notes. For more stories on the world of intersectional feminism, head to thenastywomanclub.com and also The Nasty Woman Club on Instagram and Facebook. I'm your host, Demi Lynch, and I'll see you all on Friday for another episode of The Nasty Woman Club.